Hello, all. <laughs> Good morning. I just want to say uh, thank you, too, to Abriel and Jen and Landon and Tom for doing lyrics back there and for all of you that prayed um, out during that and for all of your hearts of service to let the Lord move through you. And Lord, thank you so much for the sweetness of your presence. Thank you for what you're doing right now. That there's a, there is a table laid for us in the middle of the whirlwind. And that you do it, Lord. Just give us the grace to keep coming back to it. You are such a good father, a good God, and a good bridegroom. Amen. So I was thinking about, I was thinking about kids. I talk about kids a lot. This is the sort of parent thing, right? Where so much of your world is kids, and so all the analogies come out of it. But actually, from work, I... Uh, I work occasionally with nine to 18-year-olds, um, and they come in and they help me paint scenery, because uh, I design and paint scenery for a theater for a living. And it is funny how 10-year-olds will have trouble with how far to dip a paintbrush into paint properly. And yet, after about 30 minutes turn to you and go, can't we do something more complicated than this? Um, you know, I'm tired of painting one solid color. And you're like, Maybe we should get how to use the paintbrush before we get on to something more than one solid color kind of thing. And um, just how that's in all of us to like think we're somewhere where we're like, okay, I think I got this. Um, which is all to say, I'm very thankful for this place and the spirit of prophecy in it and how each one of us desires to hear the Lord. And we spend a lot of time listening for his voice. Um, but I'm going to talk about that some today and uh, talk about an invitation to more and uh, specifically an invitation of feeling the Lord give to me, but to all of us um, right now. I think the Lord right now is doing, I, I've seen him measuring light hop. Um, and you can see this a couple times in scripture where he specifically prophetically talks about measuring his house. Um, we're like at the six year mark now, which means we're heading into what would be our Sabbath year if we were sowing physical fields, um, we would be, we would have gotten a year's worth of extra food out of the ground for the next year because we wouldn't be sowing anything. And, uh, you know, and the Lord marked time that way for the Israelites. And I feel, he said to me, you know, I'm measuring. And when someone constructs something, as you go along, you know, you take measurements as you each step along the way. You're always assessing, you know, where am I at and what do I need for the next bit onto it? And I feel like he's doing that. He's laying, he's, he's taking a plumb line and hanging it against 
the house that he's building here to go, is this plumb or does it need to be reset before I add the next layer? Because, you know, once there's something that's crooked, you keep building on that and it gets weirder and wonkier as you go on and you end up with a mess at the end if it doesn't get adjusted back in. Um, so, it's, you know, it's a lot like the Lord's letters to the churches where he's like, here's what I see you doing really well. And here's the stuff that needs to get corrected or there's going to be a big problem and maybe you're not even going to be a church anymore at the end. Um, Because even if it's, here's a small thing that needs um, improvement, it it becomes a big thing, right, over time. Um, So I'm going to remind us a little bit about stuff that we know and can repeat to each other really easily Um, because I feel like the Lord's reminding me and reminding us about it. So I want to say, start off by talking about listening and hearing his voice. So we're going to start in John 10. John 10, 14. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I'm known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Sorry, what? Oh, John 10, 14, starting in 14. Uh, I think I've said this before, but one of the things I love... uh, is seeing anything that's written or spoken to Israel that mentions us as Gentiles. It's like this little, like the scripture looking back at us moment. I, I feel, you know, Jesus, he's, he's there specifically to the house of Israel. And yet, there's these little moments where he's like, and I see you guys 2,000 years down the road, you know, which is kind of cool. It's always lovely to see those. Like, uh, There will be others beyond these ones that I am specifically called to minister to for the next three years and that we will be grafted in. Um, but I wanna, I, I'm highlighting this because he says, they will hear my voice. To be part of his flock is to hear his voice which means that it's at the core of our identity. If we want to be part of his flock and we want him to be our shepherd, listening to him is not something that we do that's like an activity of the flock. It's the definition of the flock. Those who listen are those who are his sheep. So we'll skip down a little bit to 24, John 10, 24. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you're not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. 
so he continues on. This, you know, this, this and develops this, that um, it, re- it is our identity. Uh, and then backing up to John 6, 44, he says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I'll raise him up at the last day. So, you know, by definition, we can't have come to him in the first place unless we heard. That's the first hearing. And it's written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So, as part of our identity, um, if we have come to him at all, it's because we heard the call of the Spirit, because we can't choose it of ourselves in wickedness to go, I think that would be a good idea. We had to have heard a call. And then our identity is continuing to be taught, learning from the Father, coming to him. So I'm just going to apparently read John backwards to you today, but (laughs) jumping back to John 5. Five fifteen. Um, we talk a lot about faith, and we talk a lot about obedience, and none of those things, um, you know, in order to obey the Lord's voice, we have to hear the Lord's voice first, which is seems obvious, but I think it's easy to to kind of start thinking, you know, I'm being obedient. I'm going to do um, what I know the Lord wants, but there has to be a giving of, like we were singing about, um, wanting to know his heart, of what it is he wants before we can do what he wants. Um, This is very pertinent right now. This is a major part of the sifting of the house of the Lord right now. There is a massive shift happening in what would have called itself the church, what the earth sees as the church. Um, one of the specific areas is in what we have called the Bible Belt of the United States right now. There is a massive emptying of the churches. And people go on posting their Bible verses on Facebook and mixing it up with sort of a red, white, and blue Christianity, but they've pretty much given up on the body of Christ entirely and said, I don't need that. I don't need other believers. It's a stepping out of the listening to what the Lord is saying and holding on to something that may have been heard at the beginning. But if you're holding on to that initial call without the learning from the Father that leads you continually into Christ, you can have stepped out of the flock. So in John 5, 15, um, I want to highlight that this is prophetic life. 
that Jesus modeled for us. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he'd done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he'd not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father doing, for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. So these Jews that he's addressing, you know, they've got the Bible scripture to post on Facebook. They're not like, they have something that looks like the word of the Lord that they're clinging on to. And it says, don't do any work on the Sabbath. And they're going into their interpretation of what that means and going, you can't heal people. You know, you're working, you're doing work. And he rightly identifies, you're not listening to the Lord at all. I'm only doing what the Father has shown me. I've been listening to him. And you're taking something that somebody along the way heard, wrote it down, and you're using it to actually fight against what the Lord, what the Father's doing right now. So I'm going to, this is a short one, so you don't necessarily need to go to Romans 10, 17, but we know it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Um, there's no faith without listening. There is a kind of um, copy, a sort of image of faith that doesn't involve hearing. That's, I'm going to cling on to this thing, and I'm going to declare it over and over and over again, and I'm going to call that faith. And the Lord is saying, I'm not actually saying that thing right now that you're holding on to so much and saying faith. Faith, faith too. Which is also to say, if we're at a place where we feel like, my faith, I, I've got no faith. We ask for faith. But we need to be going, Lord, talk to me right now. What are you saying? Rather than just going, wait a minute, I've run out of faith for this thing that I've held on to for a while. Because either he's going to refresh that thing or he's going to tell you something else you need to know right now that's going to give you the faith you need for this moment. So prayer takes hearing. Again, I'm, I'm telling you all stuff that you could tell me, but um, it's important to remember that this is so core to right now and who we are and the Lord's vision for us and what he's calling us to and his church and his bride. So Lord, would you just stir it in our hearts again, these things that we know, but we need to know. Romans 8, 26.
Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So it's lovely, right? We have the Holy Spirit to intercede for us when we don't even know what to pray. But is that where we're supposed to stay? He goes on to say that we're being conformed into the image of the Son in this process. You know, the Holy Spirit was given us because we see dimly in this age and can um, groan within us. But that is unto continuing to listen and grow in understanding so we can pray as we ought. It's unto, that groaning of the Spirit is unto the fruit of the Spirit that lets us pray according to his will and according to his character. So we, it, the goal is not to be in a place where like, yeah, I don't really know. Let's just hang out here and kind of, you know, groan a little bit. Um, let's just throw prayers up and go, oh, well, the Holy Spirit's, you know, he's groaning for us. So, you know, whatever we kind of throw up there is good. Um, in 1 Corinthians fourteen fifteen. Paul, in talking about uh, the gift of tongues, says, what's the conclusion then? I'll pray with the Spirit and also pray with understanding. I'll sing with the Spirit and also sing with understanding. So there's a beautiful place where the Spirit is just moving inside us and we can't put it inwards and he's giving us something fresh that we don't even know or grasp yet. But for our growth and for the growth of the body and for our um, getting closer to Jesus' heart, we want understanding, and that comes from listening. You know, a prayer room that doesn't have understanding is going to be a wild, frayed, chaotic thing. So we're coming in hoping that we'll listen to the Lord, you know, wanting to listen to the, not hoping, wanting to listen to the Lord, asking him to speak. Um, where, where before we go to the prayer meeting, you know, asking him, what are you saying? You know, what, what are we coming into this place that you want to do today? All right. So that's just reframing again, that, that it is vital, um, this listening to the Lord, trying to hear his voice. So, I want to talk a little bit about what it means to be a prophetic company. Because ideally, that, I mean, that is the beauty of David's tabernacle, right? The, the, um, when David set it up, he commanded people to prophesy and set up rotations of prophecy in the place. And the beauty of it is that there is the voice of the Lord coming out of a company of people. 
So let's go to Numbers 11. I should have said that before I started talking. <laughs> Give you time. Numbers 11, 18. I think it's something we're all longing for, the Spirit is longing for right now, is to really mature us up into a prophetic company. And it's something that the enemy is fighting against so hard and has been. You know, one of the favorite tactics of the enemy is to isolate people who are speaking prophetically. It's to get the Elijah out there going, I'm all alone. I'm the only guy speaking truth right now. There's nobody else. And wow, this is a heavy burden to do this. And if you've been in the church where people are really leaning into listening and releasing what the Lord's saying for any length of time, you know somebody who had some prophetic gifting and then just got done with the body. Because that's exactly what the enemy wants, is to isolate all the voices off. Because it's not good that any of us should be alone and it's not the body of Christ when we're alone. So Numbers eleven eighteen. Um, I say eleven eighteen, but basically um, the Israelites are complaining about food. Um, let's skip down to uh, twenty four. Actually, Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, which is that. Um, he's going to give them food. Uh, And he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took of the spirit that was upon him, placed the same upon the 70 elders, and it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. That is a wild thing, right? To have one moment in your life where you hear the Lord clearly, speak it out, and then never again. But two men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad and the name of the other Medad. And the spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those listed, but who had not gone out to the tabernacle, yet they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. So Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Then Moses said to him, Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets, and the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And Moses returned to the camp, he and the elders of Israel. Moses, you know, that, this was an ongoing issue with Moses, right? It was the feeling of the burden of being the guy and a whole group of people who are like, we don't want to go up the mountain, you go up the mountain, come back down, tell us what the Lord said, but we really don't want to listen to the Lord directly because he's scary. You do it. And several times along the way, this was the temptation of, actually, it even goes back before they even complained, it goes back to um, his initial calling when the Lord's like, I'm going to use you, and he's like, no, I'm the wrong guy for this. You know, I can't do this for a bunch of people. So he actually had that 
that was his temptation, even from the very beginning, is like seeing himself as the guy carrying all the stuff. But he's been around for a little while doing this by this point, and he's like, I wish, you know, oh, that the Lord would make this a company of prophetic people, because then it wouldn't be one person speaking out and having to carry the word of the Lord um, themselves. So, and that's not just like his desire because he's tired. This is actually the desire of the Lord. And if we go to John 16, back to John, John 16, 7, we'll see that. I just, I, with hindsight, we get to read these verses, but can you imagine? It's so hard to imagine what the disciples were thinking when Jesus said this. Like, what they must have been feeling. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Like, you know, we found the one with the words of life. Let's leave everything and follow him. And he's like, I have to go now. And it's actually good for you. I just... It's so easy to go, well, yeah, you know, we can see why now, looking back and in the context of Scripture, and, and yet, um, to have heard that fresh from the Lord, not seeing what's going to happen. It's to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they did not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and see you no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He'll glorify me, for he'll take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has or mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. And then skipping down to 23, and in that day you'll ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. These things I've spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I'll no longer speak to you in figurative language. But I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you'll ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from, forth from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. That there was something better than Jesus staying and being the one that everybody comes to and asks, what's the Father saying now? That he actually wanted to go, I actually need to step out of the way so I can pour my spirit out on you so you can go directly to the Father. That it wouldn't be a hierarchy of Jesus and as many people as could get in room with him who then have to go out and tell a bunch of people, who then have to tell a bunch of people, who have to tell a bunch of people. And this little pyramid happens with Jesus at the top. But instead, it's I'm going to lay down my life, turn it all over and say, any who desires can have my spirit and hear from the Father and 
ask him directly in my name. Again, the hearing and the prayer, hand in hand. Seeing where I'm at on time. Um, I'm going to just point at Ezekiel 33 and not read it, which is where Ezekiel is told by the Lord, if I give you something to say as a watchman, and you don't declare it, you're going to have the consequences of the people not hearing it on your head. But if you declare it and um, they receive it, good for them. If they don't receive it, you still um, have done what's right. And you still get you know, the, the favor of the Lord on you. You, you don't receive of... Um, of the consequences of them not hearing. Uh, and I just want to highlight that. Now, that's like, it's really big language there. And so I think it's really easy to think of that as, you know, declaring something that's right before there's going to be massive judgment. But I want to highlight the spirit there of how we approach listening and obeying and speaking truth. In that, it's, the Lord's really clear that it's not our job how the word is received. It's just our job and how we speak it, how we share it, and how we are obedient to it. And I want to highlight that because I think, um, not I think, the Lord keeps over and over Showing sounds like it's visual, but, um, and saying sounds like it's auditory, but it's more just a, like a strong sense that there is an open door in front of us as a group of people. And on the other side is a freedom we don't know yet, but that is prepared for us. And that doorway is in listening properly and holding what he says properly and doing with it what we should do properly, um, which is partly letting go of whether or not that thing bears the fruit we thought it would, whether or not people receive it the way we thought they would, um, trying to decide whether people understood it the way we thought they should. One of the things that is a clue is how much we want to explain some, a word of the Lord that he's given us. And we release it. And it's not even just releasing. It's the words of the Lord where the Lord says, do something. To what extent do I want to go out and tell y'all why I'm doing this thing that the Lord told me to do beyond the Lord told me to do it? Now, sometimes he gives understanding. Sometimes he's like, and here's what's going to happen because of it. Here's why I want you to do this. Here's my character behind it. But I, I know, I've experienced enough when I share something or when I say, the Lord told me to do something, how badly it burns inside me to go. And here's why I think the Lord told me to do it. And here's why it's the right thing. 
and that's purely my flesh, and it robs me of some of the reward of just being obedient. So I want to, like, invite us all to consider the freedom on the other side of that door if, the, if we can just press into asking the Lord for more opportunities to obey in that sort of, I'm just obeying you way. This is what you told me. This is what I'm releasing. This is what you told me. This is what I'm doing. This goes right hand in hand with not letting your works be seen before men. You know, doing them in secret and you're rewarded in secret. Or you're rewarded openly if you do them in secret. Um, is that explaining? It, that explaining is trying to get what I'm doing out a little publicly so people can be like, oh yeah, I see. I see why you're doing this, you know, kind of thing. It's also... and. I, I want to acknowledge that a prophetic company is scary. It's why there aren't a lot of them. Um. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> uh. We have been raised in a culture that really values, it goes deep back into the Greeks where it's like, if you get a bunch of people together and they talk a lot, the really smart thing is going to come out of that. We're all going to recognize it if we just talk to each other enough. Um, which is not the Lord's kingdom at all, right? And, and I don't want this to be heard as like there's no place for talking about things and like sharing, you know. Um, but... When the master says, servant, go and do this kind of thing, do this, the kind of thing where he says, go and do this, you know, the master said it is enough. Now, here's the scary part, because we all get 20-something uh, of us around in a room, and we're all pretty afraid, I think, that all of us saying, we're going to go that way, and we all point in 26 directions, is going to be like, now what? You know? You said you heard the word of the Lord, and you said you heard the word of the Lord, and you said you heard the word, and I said I heard. Right? Okay. So uh, let's go to Acts 10. This is partly where faith comes in and the <laughs> trust of the Lord, that this is actually what he wants to do. It also goes to questions of authority, like Tom was talking about last week, and last week? And, um, and we've talked about many times, Paul has preached about authority many times. Um, understanding delegated authority from the Lord in his house is partly how we function as a prophetic people, um, without it being, well, the Lord said this to me, and the Lord said this to me, and now we're stuck. But, uh, Let's go to the big example we have of prophetic people um, having like the biggest difficulty in the early church, which was all about circumcision and what food you can and can't eat. 
Um, I'm just I'm going to Acts 10:9 because this is not the uh, this is not the conflict yet, but it's going to matter later. Um, and again, for time, we know this, and you can read it out. But basically, Peter's going. You know, he's meditating. The Lord gives him a vision that's like, here's all these things to eat. Get up, eat them, kill them, and eat them. And he's like, they're all unclean things. It's against your law. I'm not going to do that, Lord. And Peter, who gets three times (laughs) repeatedly, the Lord's so gracious to be like, you get three times, Peter, gives him three, gives him the vision three times to really go, no, really, I'm really giving you this vision. Um, And it's this lovely, like, ahead of time thing so that when some non-Jews go, hey, come tell us about the gospel, he can be like, okay, the Lord told me to do that. Um, which I, I am so thankful for the Lord to have done. You know, I think this is part of, like, why he told us about COVID before it was going to happen. I've had a couple personal moments in my life where I did something that was really hard and against my natural character because the Lord set it up ahead of time and was really clearly like gave me a dream about it or said something. And at the time where I would have been in this bewildered mess, I was like, well, he already said it and I could just do what he said to do. Um, He gives Peter this vision before the guy shows up. Uh, You know, and Peter was up there listening. It was part of his walk to go up and listen. And so there was space for this vision in preparation. Moving to Acts 15. Certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you can't be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension to dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they'd come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up, saying, it's necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. So I'm just going to establish there's like three different... recordings here, a way of, of weigh-in on this matter between um, all of these disciples and the apostles. And the first one, there's an authority on Paul, right? Peter was sent specifically 
to Jews, the Jews, although he got it, you know, at least one moment that we know of where it was like, okay, go talk to these um, not Jews, these Gentiles. But Paul's authority, he had an established place of authority as you are the apostle to the Gentiles. So he stands up and it's confirmed with the working of the Spirit in him, with um, the response of hearts to the gospel that he's sharing among the Gentiles. And so there's a, an establishing of authority right here. Which is to say that what he says has weight because God's given him an authority in an area. And after they became silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this word of the prophets, agree, just as it is written. Sorry, and I, I, I blew through Peter's too. Um, Peter, however, is, uh, has had this vision. So he's had this direct uh, thing from God that set him up, like, so, so God gave him a vision so that he would go talk to this group of Gentiles. But he also gave him a vision and the opportunity to go talk to these Gentiles so that a little while later when this thing came up in the church, he's got a foundation of a word from the Lord to hold on to. And then James says, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how, good at the, how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. Isn't that cool? Like, the tabernacle of David that we're doing, one of its primary purposes is so that we can join in, because we're not in Israel right now, because we're not, we weren't born into Israel, um, just, that's kind of awesome that like that this whole thing right now is specifically an invitation and a love letter and a um, and a prepared thing for us that was prepared thousands of years ago so that we could be brought in and joined. Known to God from eternity are all His works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turned to God turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. I think it's amazing that, like, this is exactly what uh, Joshua was concerned about. Like, oh, Moses, you know, like, you're the guy. You've got the word of the Lord, and these other people prophesying... It's going to diminish that. And Moses is like, no, it's good, you know, that, that the Lord would be speaking through as many people. Um, and that, that James addresses this, like, you're concerned about the diminishing of Moses if the word goes out to the Gentiles and that they are um, uh, filled with the Spirit and received into the body of Christ. Um, but he has, his, he's drawing from what the Spirit is highlighting to him in Scripture. So there's a, we have 
the authority and experience of Paul, the vision that Peter was given, and then uh, James drawing on the written word of the Lord and the Spirit bringing it to life for this moment. And in that way, hallelujah, the Lord reconciled this division that was big. I mean, like, so much of the New Testament letters, right, are about this, are about dealing with this wrestle of, like, the Mosaic law versus new believers coming out of the Gentiles. And, um, and the Lord took care of it with three people listening and sorted it out. Because who knows? Who knows what church history would have looked like? Um, the division was horrible enough between Jew and Gentile across the last 2,000 years of history. Um, yeah. So just a few practical things. The attacks that come against us are trying to hear the Lord. One is trusting that the Lord is speaking to others, but not us. And this is the temptation to look around and go, people are releasing things. People are like saying, this is what I'm doing and doing it. And they seem to be at peace and they seem to be confident in the word of the Lord. And I just can't hear him. Um, I'm just not the one who hears. Or I don't hear very often. Or um, I don't hear really clearly. Which, I'll just take us back to the grouping of faith and listening. Um, I, I've, I know a few of you I've heard testimonies of you hearing actually with your physical ears things. But by the testimonies I've heard, it's very rare in our history. Maybe it'll be more in the future. Um, there, are, there are at least a few of us that I know of that have had moments where we've heard with our physical ears and thank you, Lord, for those moments of just love where you're like. But, you know, actually, to tell you the truth, even those, <laughs> an hour later, doubt can creep in. But for the most part, we hear in faith, right? We listen. There is a still, small voice. There is an image on the visual screen of our minds. There's me trying to describe, I don't, it's not a picture, and it's not a sentence, but I know there's this door, there's this, this knowing, and all of these things are proclaimed in faith. And when I say, I know this, is, it keeps coming back to me, it feels like the character of the Lord as I know him, it lines up with scripture, and I'm saying the Lord is telling me this. But that, I'm saying that in faith. I'm not saying it because I could prove in a court of law that he's saying this. 
And when we say those things in faith, we sh- which we should absolutely should, doubt tries to come in and say that all of us, when we hear somebody going, I'm, I hear the Lord say this, doubt comes in and goes, you know what? You don't hear that clearly. Because that person's speaking in faith. They're declaring it in faith. They're making a choice to say that dim thing is the Lord speaking to me. And so we hear dimly, see dimly, and we're like, I don't see that clearly. But I just want to say, everybody's seen dimly. And what you're actually feeling is the difference between stepping out in faith and saying, the Lord is telling me this, and going, I really want it to be clearer before I'll do that. We do, I do, want to be faithful more than right. And I believe our Lord is the Lord who will give us something. And if we say, I hear the Lord say it, he'll correct us, but he won't cast us out because we didn't see it clearly. That he's that kind of a father who's like, oh, yeah, you know, that's what you got from me even though it's a little different than what I was saying, and you said boldly, this is what the Lord's telling me, and I, I'll set it straight. Trust me to set it straight and not whip you for being faithful in it. Actually, I will celebrate you for being faithful in it, even though it was a little different. Listening takes patience. Uh, Psalm 37 Starting in verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. There are times where it really feels hard to hear the Lord mostly because we're listening for a still small voice in the middle of an internal whirlwind, right? We all experience this. Um, I do want to invite us to shift our focus from how well we hear to our good Father who desires to speak. Because it is easy to get into, I can't hear or I don't hear well, and sabotage us ourselves out of the faith. And, which is to say, do we exalt our own inability above his ability to talk and desire, his desperate desire to talk to us? And to say, the Lord doesn't always talk. Nobody comes into an audience with the king And when there's a pause, goes, yo, weren't you going to say something? You know, like that person gets cast out of that audience hall. In the audience hall of the king, everybody is waiting on the king. And he speaks when he wants to speak. And if he wants a big, awkward silence, that's the king's prerogative too. 
And there is a place for us in patience to wait. So if we can also... We don't want to change our language in a legalistic way, but from, like, I can't hear him to he hasn't spoken to me yet, it completely shifts. I'm going to wait until he does. Because it's his choice. And it's the testimony of the saints throughout history that sometimes when we are the closest to him, it feels like he's the quietest. Um, have you heard the phrase, the dark night of the soul? That actually originally was coined by a man who was trying to hear and experience God so much, and it was about having climbed so far up the Lord's mountain and then suddenly feeling like there's nothing. The Lord just isn't talking and I am, I'm abandoned by him, feeling like I'm abandoned by him. But then discovering after a time, I was actually closer than I've ever been in that moment where it just seemed empty because the Lord wanted something out of that moment. So the flip side is trusting that we hear the Lord, but others don't. Which sounds really big, because I know we've all heard the Lord through each other. So it's not so black and white as that. But is there a... On the scales, do we weigh, oh... The Lord really put something in me. I feel it strongly. I heard it. I saw it on the screen of my imagination really clearly. Do we weigh that as a little bit heavier than what anybody else speaks out or prays? That's trusting we've heard, but doubting others have. Um, you know, when someone says something, says, I hear the Lord saying this, is our response, I know you all and I know you hear the Lord. I'm going to hold that. I'm going to keep talking to the Lord about it because I believe you heard it until he talks to me about it. Or is it, I hear what you're saying and let me check up with dad first before I really receive it. You feel the difference there of really going, wow, this is, this is gold the Lord has given you. And we all see dimly, right? You, you may be off. I may be off. We may not hear it well. We may not be sharing it well. But being able to take it and go, what do you say, Lord? And clearly throughout in Scripture, there are times where there are prophets who are like, you're totally wrong. I'm going to, you know, tell you about it. Or the Lord's giving me some kind of dramatic demonstration to show you that you're off. Um, but really making sure that we go to the Lord with that and hear what he has to say rather than taking everything 
that is not said directly to us by the Spirit and going, okay, I'll put it on the to-be-considered pile. And I spoke about authority. Part of This is part of where... Um, Authority helps sort out all of these things, right? Um, Jen speaks about the nursery, and it's got weight. If I get a word about, here's what the Lord is saying should be done in the nursery, you know, I can humbly bring it to her as the one who's got authority over it. And then going back to Ezekiel, I can trust in the Lord that I know that I told, you know, I know that the Lord was telling her this is what needs to be done in the nursery. But I can trust that she will listen to the Lord about it and whether or not it's received or not received or the Lord tells her something different, I've delivered what I had for it because she's the one with authority in that space. Or parents and your families, you know, if I see something and the Lord is like, speak it to just humbly offer it. And in that, as we understand the authority of the Lord and how he's ordering his house, because he told me not too long ago, he said, I don't run a disordered house. He's got an order for all of us to come into, and we're discovering it, and we see it dimly, and we have questions about, like, how does this work? But he's got an order, And the more we listen to him, the more we're going to come underneath it and figure out where are the times where I am outside this authority, but I have a word for it, because the Lord does do that, but I'm offering it into the place where somebody who has authority has authority over that, and letting them talk to the Lord about it. That sorts All of that scary confusion that we imagine with a lot of people all declaring, well, I heard the Lord say this, and I heard the Lord say that, and, well, kind of thing. But it takes faith to get there. Okay, I'm going really long. So, um, so I'm going to highlight, I'm going to just, throw some passages at you without reading them, identify them. You can read them later, or you can go, oh yeah, I've read that um, hundreds of times. I know what you're talking about. Or you can um, come talk to me at some point and say, I think you missed that in that. That's not really what that's saying. That's true, too. Couldn't be true, too. Okay, just holding that out there, like I'm not assuming. (laughs) So, um, the Lord really tied this open door into this place of freedom. Um, he tied it to me to Stephen seeing heaven open while he's being stoned, which I know is something we all long for that kind of peace to shine in these days in the face of of increased persecution in the earth and all of the trouble, we want that place of peace. And it's that place of hearing 
what he says, seeing what he's doing and being like, I'm doing it. That is the doorway into that kind of peace. And it's open for us right now. Um, which is, and uh, so that's just, that's an act six and seven. Um, I am praying a lot right now about the approval of the Father. Because that place of listening, hearing what he says, and releasing it in the way he said to release it, or doing it in the way he said to do it, that's the place where the Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And it's going to take that the chaos all around us that we spend a lot of time in our hearts trying to sort out and figure out. And it's going to take that and still it. Not by changing any circumstances, but in what's going on in here, it's going to still it if we can get to the place where we're like, I heard what the Lord said, and I'm doing it. There's just a place of peace in that. Um, Matthew 25 is the, the parable of the talents, where that uh, well done, good and faithful servant is. Um, and he highlighted to me, there are places all through Scripture where we have Stories of people who heard from the Lord um, and were comforted by him. Like there are even places, um, I already mentioned, brought up Moses. Um, Gideon's another one who was like, what are you talking about? And the Lord was so kind and gracious to go, it's okay. You know, I'm going to do this through you anyway. Like, they got that moment of not just even hearing and obeying, but hearing, going, I don't know, and actually having the Lord go, it's okay. You know, like the Lord of the universe, who by every right, he says something and we go, okay, is actually patient enough to also go, I know it's scary. And he tells Gideon several times, be courageous. Just do it, be courageous. Um, I want that, you know, not, not that I want to like question and be comforted, but I want the comfort of the Lord speaking right to me and going, I got it. Here's what you're to do. And I think, I think we all do. Um, the team can come back up, whoever's doing response time. I have a tendency to get really into trying to hear the Lord when I am confused and feel threatened. Um, which, hey, there's a lot of that nowadays, so <laughs> that's good. <laughs> but I want something better than that, too. Um, I want 
to be listening like it is my daily bread, like it is, like I am desperate, like we were singing about, for every word he's going to speak and over every area of my life because I know, I know in those situations where I am messed up inside, I have no idea what to do. When I hear the Lord, there is glorious peace with it. And I want that glorious peace everywhere. I have a tendency to to push into that listening when I'm in a place where I feel like I'm sinking. And he lifts me up out of it. But there's sort of a low-level sinking in the rest of life, especially in these days when there is so much, you know, like the, the world is unsettled. And and people are in this sort of state of agitation because the world is in a state of agitation. And I'm just repenting for the fact that I think when I feel like I'm drowning, I want to hear him. But I'm willing to settle with sort of a little bit of agitation that just kind of floats through my days because I'm not hearing him all the way along for every small thing. So Matthew 4, 4, to wrap up. But he answered and said, It's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I want to say, I want to say that I wake up every morning going, I need three square words from the day across the day or else I'm going to be miserable. But I don't. You know, I do wake up in the morning going, you know, Lord, what are you saying today? And then I kind of drift along on that into the afternoon and get to the evening and be like, why am I so weary and like want to be done with the human race and pretty much every aspect of my life. Um, But this door that's open right now, if we just ask, Lord, you know, I want to know your voice like the food I need every single day. And I want the patience to wait until you lay it out in in front of me. He's going to give that to us. And he's going to let us feel the taste of the satisfaction of it enough that we keep coming back to it more and more needing, knowing our need for it. So Lord, just I thank you. I thank you for this unsettling in the earth. Thank you for shaking that has made me want to listen to you more than I ever have. We just thank you that you are the God who speaks, that every other idol is incapable of speech, that there's nothing that anyone can get from them, only um, things that can be laid in front of them. But you, you give generously from your heart. You speak, and it is life, and it is peace, and it is joy to us. So, Lord, would you carry us through that door? Would you make us a company of people who moves by your word? not by the rationalizations of my mind or the feelings of my gut, but by what you say. 
wrestling it out and like did I really see that or um, but now after um, David's message I know it goes along with it and um, so first of all I want to repent Father I just repent and say I'm sorry for the things you show me sometimes I just don't believe it I just like um, I really just want to believe like a little child like you're giving me this and be excited about it because um, I'm just really tired of putting it in the box to consider. <laughs> um, so anyway, when Jen was singing earlier, um, before, um, I really, like, it was like an angel that came into the room, like, right around there, right by Bev and Dean, and, um, he had papers and he looked like he was going to hand them out and um, I don't know what it was I didn't you know I didn't even look at it I just sensed that was going on I just sensed a presence and sensed that that was going on and um, and then I opened my eyes um, and Jen was looking up there <laughs> I thought well, did, she, did she see the guy too And um, so I don't know but anyway, she started singing about, she said, that's when you said, just wait a minute. That's what you were waiting for something. And, um, and then you said something about singing songs in the morning that he's given you or given us. And um, I felt like it had to do with prophecy. And I started singing that way in my chair. Um, you know, show us, show us what's on those papers. Show us, show us what you're going to give us. And, um, so, Father, we just, you know, if that's a real thing and it's not just my imagination, I just ask that you just show us what you want us to, um, what, you, what you're giving us, what you're trying to give us. Um, and we just believe in faith that um, you will get us in that position to receive what it is you were going to give us or if you are giving us. And we just thank you that you give good gifts. In Jesus' name. And all you have to go, Lord, come break this stranglehold of doubt. You have to go, Lord, come break this stranglehold of doubt. You have to go, Lord, 
could come break this stranglehold Doubt you have to go Lord, come break this stranglehold While we're singing, we're praying And if you don't believe that you need doubt Broken off, your brother and sister do So let's all sing this Oh, doubt you have to go Lord, come break this stranglehold. Thou, you have to go. Lord, come break this stranglehold. Thou, you have to go. Lord, come break this stranglehold and fill us with faith. was talking um, about waiting on the king <laughs> and you don't go up and say because um, the king speaks what he wants to speak. I heard the word or I felt the, just the Lord call me to reverence to revere him and in a roundabout way he brought me to 1 Samuel 12 and I share that because I started reading 1 Samuel 12 thinking that there was something he wanted me to read out of it to pray into and um just really felt him to say to it's it's meat for the for the coming days that this message brought that to me so I don't know what's in there but I did want to share that if anyone else is drawn to that and has stuff I think that's powerful when more people come with information um, but I do want to pray into what the Lord did say to me so Father God I just I do thank you that with doubt gone, we can hear your still small voice. And Father, I want to enter the throne room with reverence. I want to get out of my own way. Father, I pray that for my brothers and sisters that when we come together, we revere you. We look in awe of you and we realize who we are before. And we don't take we don't take love that you give us as a succubus trying to get every little manipulation out of it. I want to cherish your love, Lord. The fact that you see all of my sin and love me anyway. I don't want to feel like I have to hide or be ashamed in front of you because you know there's nothing you do not know. And I want the freedom that comes in that trusting in you and believing in your son's resurrection so father god teach me to revere you in jesus name so
Faith in what? Faith in his word. Faith in everything the Holy Spirit has written in this book. So Lord, help me to spend more time in this book. Anything I have to doubt, the answer is here. Because you proved scripture with scripture. So Lord, help me to spend time with you. This is, this is your word, your heart, your plan. So we need you. our family a home, our own home. I thank you that you're leading and guiding us and it seems like there's little things that you've showed to me or Sam um, about what our home will be like that you're going to give to us. And so as we're looking at houses and looking at lots of houses, (laughs) I just ask that you would help us to be patient and steady wait for what it feels like you're showing us and revealing to us and that we would just keep listening for what you're saying even though it feels like we have so little direction that we would hold on loosely to the little little breadcrumbs and follow the trail that you're leading laying out for us Um, there's multiple times where Lord, I feel like you're reminding me of the Israelites and how they were complaining in the desert about their situation. And it took them longer to enter the promised land because of their complaining. So I just ask that you would really help me um, to bless the people that I live with, to bless my mother-in-law and my father-in-law. And it's not even to their face, it's just in my heart that you would help me to bless them continue to just hand you the little annoyances and frustrations and that you would keep my mouth from complaining because I don't want it to take a really long time to enter into the promise that you have for us because of my complaining in my heart and my annoyance and so I just ask me that you or I ask that you would help me to um, be gracious people that live differently than the way that we would, and that you would help me to be patient and to be a servant. Um, Yeah, I just thank you, God, that you see and you know everything that we need, and that you, you have a wonderful, beautiful plan. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. There's nothing I hold on to, but my feet are on a rock. Yeah, my feet are on a rock. But there's nothing I hold on to. 
There's nothing I hold on to, but my feet are on a rock. Yeah, my feet are on a rock. Hey, Jess, can you come back and just pray over everybody? Free us from being easily agitated, Lord. Give us servants' hearts, Lord. I need that. Yeah, I'll pray. I'm going to share one thing first. So my thing is like clean floors. And one day the Lord was like, okay, there's literally people all over the world living in slums and like absolute poverty and you're obsessing over clean floors. Um, So God, I just ask that you would remove all of our little annoyances and focus our our face and our hearts on you. Um, That all the little daily things that try to steal our joy and our focus and just keep us so trapped in the here and now, that you would lift up our eyes and lift up our gaze to you. And when we find ourselves encountering these little little moments where we're annoyed, I just ask that we would quickly hand it to you and ask you what you want to say to the person we're annoyed with or what you have to say about the situation that we're annoyed with and that we would choose to bless the people that are around us instead of cursing them in our heart with our annoyances and our words. God, I repent um, for the ways I curse the people around me by my annoyance. I ask that you would free each of us from that and that blessing that flows from your throne and the words of hope and vision that flow from your throne would flow through each of our hearts into the people we live with and the people that we encounter every day. God, I ask that we would have um, testimonies of joy and how you've brought out greater joy in each of our homes and in each of our workplaces um, by seeing you do this in our heart and trusting you with this. In Jesus' name, amen. I can hear the Lord say, if you will diligently deal with how easily annoyed you are with me, that I would deliver you from the judgment abiding flies. He says he's sending a judgment of flies like in Egypt. He says he'll deliver us if we'll just deal with how easily annoyed we get, how agitated by everything we get. Lord, I just, related to that, Lord, I just pray, would you increase love? Would you increase our love? Would you let it overflow? Heavenly Father, we want to keep asking you to Um, see ourselves and those around us the way that you see them, Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we could, um, Lord, we just repent of our tendency to major on minors, Lord. We're asking, Heavenly Father, that, um, yeah, you would would let love overflow. And just even the love that overflow that can just um, um, make this... um, a place that is a prophetic people, Lord. We know we need love. <laughs> we need love to prophesy. We need um, your your pleasure and your, your confidence in us and knowing that you love us enough to talk to us. Lord, would you help us love you more to, to invite um, you to speak to us, that we would be still and make space to hear you, that we would keep talking to you throughout the day. 
Lord, I'm sorry for my doubt. I'm sorry for where I doubt when you're talking to me or I feel like you've spoken to me, but I am fearful about um, what I've heard you say being received or not. Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. Because as David talked about, like I want to be faithful and obedient in, in the listening, in the asking, in the hearing, even when it's faint. And then in, in the obedience, in the timing that you, that you orchestrate. And in the, in the patience, um, in, not, um, in just the satisfaction in just the obedience and not in whether there is response or no response. But just being satisfied in the obedience of doing what you've asked. And, and in your timing, Lord, I pray that we've, you would increase the prophetic here that we would stay that would there would be order but there would be freedom this perfect balance in Jesus' name amen let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness Angie, when you were sharing about the angel and having these pieces of paper, I was asking God what those papers were. And, um, and uh, there was something that David said in the message and how he was, um, he's been praying about God's approval. And when you said that about those letters, I felt the Lord just say, these letters are things I've written about, about my approval of you, about my delight in you, and how we can easily look within ourselves and see how we fall short and how we fail and God knows that and even Satan knows that but he's saying here I want to give you this paper to all of us about the ways that he delights in us and how he sees his righteousness um, blooming in, in our lives even if it's little like he really wants to um, tell us that he sees it that he sees it even in our struggle um, so Lord God uh, I thank you for the way that you see us. And Lord, I do struggle to see um, through your eyes um, um, with others. And so I pray that um, um, that you will give us revelation of what those papers say about one another, about our families. In Jesus' name. Yes, no.
sacrifice you made that you shed your blood for us thank you, Lord. and all we need to do is believe that you did it that you said it is finished and it is you've taken care of it all you've you've forgiven all our sins and all we have to do is believe it Lord I thank you that you have made a place for us Gentiles to be part of you not under the law but under grace that you have made us into your body we're the body you are the head thank you Lord for your wonderful gift there's nothing but the blood blood, nothing but the blood of Jesus, the only begotten Son, pay the adoption price, and there's nothing but the blood, nothing but the blood, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. It's nothing but the blood. There's nothing but the blood. There's nothing but the blood. Oh, Jesus, no other foundation can ever be laid. There's no other justification that will ever be enough. It's nothing but the blood. There's nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of 